thank you for my good friend, my brother, um, but also a man of God, who I know when he speaks, um, he speaks his heart. And guys, when I pray a special anointing upon him now, that today as he speaks, we would hear chains falling off. We would hear victories happening. We would know, God, that you transform lives when we open up your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Amen. How you guys doing? Three of you are doing good. How about the rest of you? Doing all right? Are you happy to be in church today? Anyone love Jesus here? Hey, look, Jaden, look at you. Man, you just look better every time I see you. Where do you get those good looks from? Your mum, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's great to be here. And um, Steve is a very, very dear friend of mine. And um, we obviously, um, we love this church so much. And um, Steve's one of those fellas. And um, mate, got you back, man. Love you so much. Um, so blessed to be your friend. And um, we love this church too. And even just looking and just being part of worship. Um, what a beautiful, beautiful church. Have you ever considered yourself to be a beautiful church? You know? You too. Like Tim and what's your wife's name? What was your name? Beck. You know, when you started leading that song, heaven just invaded this place. Far out. You know, there are some people and they're so unassuming, but when they step in, it's like they attract heaven. And um, I, I was like, because I, I saw Tim last time. It was only a couple of months ago I was here, wasn't it? You guys didn't get sick of me. You got me back. <laughs> but like, it's like, wow, what a power couple. Amazing. Anyway, so apparently it is AGM week. Is that right? Who loves AGMs? I hate AGMs with a passion. Um, but one thing, if you're anything like our church, one thing I know is that AGM is one of those weeks where everyone kind of gets together. Like you have new members, you have old members, and in our particular case, all the absentee members rock up as well. Any absentee members here? <laughs> Welcome back to church. Nice to see you. <laughs> in fact, every year people come up to every year. I've been there almost eight years now, okay? Every year they come up to me and a little bit slightly come up to me and say, you know what, Dave, I know I need to be better at, at attending church and all that. And I just smile and I give them a hug and then I, I say, yeah, you're right. <laughs> church attendance has actually always been an, ident an identity marker for the people of God. Did you know that? Um, ever since um, Old Testament, going to New Testament, this is something that we actually do. So let me encourage you, if you've been away for a while, um, make sure you, for the next coming year, you're actually committed to your local church that you're planted. Those who are planted in the house of God, they're going to... Two people know their Bible here. You've been teaching the Bible? Those who are planted in the house of God, they're going to flourish. They're going to flourish. But one thing which I know is Steve was saying, okay, can you come and speak? And I, I, I wasn't planning to be here. Um, and um, New Spring have just found out like an hour ago I wasn't there, so pray for them. <laughs> but one thing I do know is that um, the reason why everyone is here is because you obviously love the Lord. We all love the Lord. But you love your church. Amen? And you're interested in what God is doing in and through His church here. So knowing that that is the audience I'm speaking to, I wanted to speak to you today about our beautiful God, obviously. I want to speak to you how our beautiful God has chosen to work in our beautiful world and how, he's how He has chosen to work through His beautiful church. So I really want to talk about our God. I want to talk about this church and I want to talk about this region. Okay. Because it's no accident that God has placed His marvelous church here 
in this region. And if he's placed you in this region, he must have some things that you are to step into. Is that right? You're not one of these indifferent passive churches. You're like, you believe the word of God. Amen. By the end of today, I believe that. So let me pray and we're going to kick in. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to gather around your word. Father, as your presence descends in this place, I pray every heart is open. We come before you as your children, myself included, Lord. I need to be down there listening as well as obviously up here. But we all come before you as your children, wanting to learn. Speak, for your church is listening. We ask that you would change us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, every day we are given a choice as followers of Jesus Christ to either put our trust in a world that's passing away or to put our trust in a kingdom's coming to pass. They are the only two choices we have every single day when we, walk up, when we wake up. Where will I put my trust today? Will I put my trust in a world that is obviously passing away or in a world that is coming to pass? And that decision actually affects and forms absolutely everything of our life. It really does. It will actually um, determine how we live our life, our mentality, how we, our philosophy of living. It will determine absolutely everything. That one question is a really, really important question. Roland Rollhauser, he actually said this. He said, many Christians, and he's talking about Christians predominantly in the West. He said, many Christians have an internalized framework that presumes that the final spiritual exorcism has already taken place. And what he means by that is that he's actually making this observation of saying that most Christians in a Western world, they may not say it articulate it, but they truly believe inside that Jesus and God has already done everything that he can do. They honestly believe that. I think he might be onto something, you know. I think it is my job to actually challenge that sentiment and, and, and to actually come before Scripture and before the church and say, God is not finished as yet, amen? He is still doing something incredible in this world. But sometimes I find myself, I know what to say, I know what to sing, you know what? I know how to critique a Sunday service. Anyone else know how to critique a Sunday service? Anyone else? You know you do, come on. We're friends, we can have a bit of a laugh. But do we fundamentally believe when Jesus says, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, do we believe that God's talking about like today? That the kingdom of God can break in and break through today? Do we fundamentally believe that? Because the decision I made this morning as I woke up, where am I going to put my trust? Am I going to put my trust in the kingdom that's, that's coming to pass or a world that's passing away? That will determine that. Was he serious? Jesus, were you serious? Well, today I want to share two stories from two different um, places in the Bible, one from the Old Testament, other than the New Testament. And I want, us, I want to actually use these stories to, number one, show us how God has chosen to work in this world. It seems that God's quite stubborn in wanting to be God, that He has determined a pattern, a way in which He will work through human history, and He doesn't seem to deter from that path. The second um, story which I want to use is, a story that articulates and demonstrates how God uses you and me, ordinary people, even a chocolate brother from down in Armadale, like me, right? No hair and everything. How he will use ordinary people to break his kingdom in. And it is so exciting. It is so exciting. And you'll probably notice that as we're going through these stories, these aren't stories of, of like, like, like Tim up here, like leading worship. They aren't stories of someone in the soup kitchen. They, they aren't stories about like youth leaders and they spend two hours picking up kids and they spend two hours dropping off kids. Any youth leaders? I used to be a youth leader, then a youth pastor, then a, a, a church pastor, then a campus pastor, now I'm a senior pastor. I've been through all of that. 
you know this stuff, Jaden, don't you? How many hours have you, Rock, won't ask? But what these stories are going to do, they're actually going to pull the curtain back. Because sometimes we focus so much on what we're doing, but we don't understand ontologically from heaven's perspective what is happening in the heavenlies. So that's what we want to do. So are you okay with that? Are you ready for the first story? I'm from um, Armadale, so you need to shout me down a little bit. I say to our guys over there, you need to be a bit feisty, otherwise you will literally die because we are in Armadale. <laughs> and I believe in a feisty, vibrant, robust church. <laughs> Anyone familiar with Armadale? You know that's true, don't you? Amen. Amen. First story. <laughs> the first story is um, it's a short story. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 20. The reason why I use this story is because it is a story that can be summed up in one sentence. And um, I could use a, a, a plethora of stories because the same message comes to over and over again. In this story, um, David has just become king and um, he just becomes king and then takes Jerusalem. And as he takes Jerusalem, those nasty old Philistines, they start causing some trouble. So we read in 2 Samuel um, chapter 5, verse 20, which says this, So David went to Baal-perazim and defeated the Philistines there. The Lord did it, David exclaimed. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So he named the place Baal-perazim, which means the Lord who burst through. That's a cool story, isn't it? Jaden, you've got to preach this story next week, aren't you? I know. <laughs> Feel free to steal anything you want. It's all God's. It doesn't belong to me. Any preachers in the house, you hear some stuff that's good, feel free to steal it. I would advise you to steal it and make it better. And if you can steal it and make it better, send it back to me so that I can steal your stuff and then make it better. This is all God's Word. Okay, you know what I'm saying? And we need, we, we need stronger preachers, stronger teachers, and we cannot be Christian leaders who are so insecure in this world. You know what I'm saying? There is room for everyone to operate in their grace and their gift because in our Father's house there are many rooms. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, what an incredible story. That's a great story. Man, you could preach this story. You can get your Pentecostal on. You can get the Charismatic on. I don't know. You can get your Baptist on. I don't exactly know what Church of Christ means because we cover all of it. But that's an amazing story. What an incredible story. What an incredible Bible character, David. Anyone love David here? You love Dave? Good. Thank you. I appreciate that. No, I was named after David, you know, so I love him. What is remarkable about this story and what is even more remarkable about this Bible character is that this story, this character is actually a shadow. It's a shadow. And we all know that shadows just point to the real thing, don't they? You know, it's a shadow. This is a shadow that points to a current reality right now that we're living in in 2019. In fact, all of the Old Testament is a shadow. Did you know that? All of the Old Testament. It's almost like you're reading the Old Testament and you see this shadow that's about to actually turn and come around a corner. And as you read the Old Testament, the shadow gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter until something or someone comes around the corner and behold, it is Jesus. The, all of the Old Testament is a shadow which points to the real thing, which is Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? Behold is Jesus. So this is an amazing, amazing little story. God burst through my enemies like a raging flood. Would anyone love God to burst through their enemies like a raging flood? Would you love that? Would that be amazing? That'd be incredible, wouldn't it? Like Jesus, come on, come on. That would be incredible. That would be amazing. That's fantastic. You know, I'd be, I, I can preach that. I can preach that down. I'm trying to preach it right now. I can preach that down. But don't miss the paradigm here because there is a paradigm that we miss all the time. 
David says it. God did it. But don't miss what God says through his ordained author. David says, God did it, but God says, yeah, hang on, wait up, go back. I only did it because David went. In fact, I did it as David went. If David did not go, I would not do it. This is a paradigm and a pattern of how God has chosen to work in human history right from the very beginning. Has anyone ever considered the Garden of Eden, right? Has anyone read the Garden of Eden and say, oh, nice story, a little bit odd, right? You read through it and you think, I think, this is how I think. I think, God, you are all powerful. You're all sovereign. And what do you do? You actually make this world that is void, that is uninhabitable. It's like wild. And in the middle of this uninhabitable world, which is wild, you place this garden of delight, which is called Eden. Eden means garden of delight. Seems a bit odd, right? Kind of like, if you are a power, why didn't you just create the whole lot like that? Makes even, it made me more curious when I actually look at the biblical narrative, how this story in Genesis starts in a garden of delight called Eden, but it doesn't end with a garden, it actually ends in the book of Revelation with a city described as a garden. Right? You know, Revelation, that freaky book? Anyone love that book? That freak you out, that book someplace? Need to read it well. Need to understand it well. It's a book of encouragement, not a book to freak us out. What is going on here? Well, God, He kicks us all off and He places this world that's kind of wild and uninhabitable, places this garden there, and Adam and Eve are there, and this is what He does. He comes down to beautiful Adam and beautiful Eve and says, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do. The book of Genesis uses language like rule and reign, right? which we don't necessarily get, rule and reign. And he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to rule and reign, which basically means this. I want you to take Eden, and I want you to push Eden out into the rest of the world. That is good. That's good theology right there. Resurrection Sunday, pretty good Sunday, right? Anyone happy about Resurrection Sunday? Yeah? Anyone really excited about Resurrection Sunday? Because you know what? If that Sunday did not happen, we were all stuffed. You know what I'm saying? We are the biggest fools on the face of this earth if that Sunday did not happen. So we, we come to Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate all the time. We had communion this morning. Resurrection Sunday comes. You know and what happens? You know, not creation, but new creation comes in on Resurrection Sunday. And then you think to yourself, wait a minute, we sing about, we preach about, we jump up and down about, we praise God about Jesus has won the victory and Jesus has defeated death. And then I preach that and I sing that and, and, and then I look around and say, yeah, but, 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 but what about that? And what, what about, what the, and I'm going to God, I'm like, God, what are you doing? I mean, Armadale, what are you doing? Armadale is the domestic violence capital of Australia. What are you doing? True to form. Understand the biblical story here. True to form. Resurrection Sunday happens, new creation bursts in, and what does God do? He comes to His beautiful, gifted, graced sons and daughters, and He says, guess what? Now we're going to push new creation out into a broken and dying world. This is the way that God always works, the way He has worked, the way He does work now, the way He will continue to work until He comes Again, does that encourage you? Up and coming senior pastor should encourage you, Jaden. Get your head around good theology now because you're going to need it in the coming 5, 10, 20 years. All right? There's going to be no substitute for that. No substitute for that. Anyway. 
just beautiful. What, what, what I find interesting about this little story is that um, it says that God broke through, but David went. It doesn't even tell you what David did. Isn't that frustrating? Be nice. Like for me, the way I read the Bible, that frustrates me. It's almost like whatever David did is inconsequential. It's almost like God broke through and God worked, and whatever David did, that's not the big theme here. The big theme is actually that David went. And I think that's the paradigm that Scripture tells us all the time. And it's something that we as a church, um, we need to be continually encouraged to do. So that's pretty good to know, isn't it? So let's now unpack God breaking through in, the, in a New Testament perspective, because I've got to be honest, I can't tell you, I don't even know what a Philistine looks like, you know. I haven't seen Philistine running a muck out in Armadale, but um, you, you know what I'm saying? So what does this look like in a New Testament perspective? This is really important for us to understand, okay? And the second story is going to show us this, and personally, I find um, this really, really exciting. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 1, verse 21 to 27. If you have your Bibles, go there. We're going to spend a little bit of time here. And um, we're going to see how Jesus goes about business and what he actually is showing us. So from verse 21, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching for he thought with real authority quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. Jesus cut him short. Be quiet, come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into convulsions, and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this, they asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. Jesus, as he's walking the face of the earth, has one solitary message. Could you imagine if every week your pastor got up and just preached one message? I don't know about you, but over in New Spring, they expect something new every single week. Every single week. (laughs) Jesus has one solitary message in his ministry. He articulates it in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. The time promised by God has come at last. He announced, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. What does that mean, the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God means God's reign. Jesus is saying that God's reign is within grasp. It's almost like it's right there. Scott McKnight says it is just under the skin, just about to break out. The kingdom of God is that close, God's reign. What does it look like if Jesus is king? Well, it's that close. That's pretty close. And then he goes on and he says, and he uses the word repent. Now, unfortunately, we have about 2,000 years worth of baggage when it comes to that word, right? About 2,000 years worth of it. Because we think repent means to stop doing all the bad, naughty stuff, and then you try doing all the good stuff. And let me tell you from first-hand experience, if you try on your own like moral strength to stop doing the bad stuff and just want to do the new stuff, you're not going to win that battle. Or is that just me? You guys much more holy than me? Probably are. You're up in the hill. <laughs> a lot on the hill. <laughs> We're down in the valley. <laughs> Even through the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> the Lord is with me. Actually, last night, for some reason, I was reading um, Josephus' um, work on the Jewish, um, 
Jewish war and it was really interesting that even in and he writes that around 70 AD and in, in his writing he actually uses the word repent so we've actually got examples of how that word is actually used in first century Israel it's not used the same way we use the word today repent means to change your thinking in fact it means to rethink everything what Jesus is saying in light of the kingdom of God being right here in light of God's reign being that close, rethink your entire life and that will mess you up. It'll mess you up. You won't have to worry about do, not like, stop doing the naughty stuff. If you get a revelation, if you get an imagination, or in other words, if you renew your mind to what the situation, what the circumstance, what this church, what this family looks like, if Jesus is king, that'll mess you up. And that's what repentance means. To allow it to come and mess up every part of your life. I ain't talking about like when you come here on a 9.30 on a Sunday morning. I'm talking about Monday morning when you go to work or when you're going to school. It's going to mess everything up. In light of what you know of God's reign breaking in and breaking forth, allow that to change every part of your life. Here's one message, but it's a pretty good message, isn't it? Pretty good message. Why don't we preach that message enough? I don't know. I don't know. And the frustrating thing about the Gospel of Mark is that he says, this is Jesus' message, and then he doesn't give a definition in articulating what their message is. He doesn't do that. What he does, what he does, John Mark, who wrote Mark, what he does, he says, now watch and observe and listen to Jesus as he demonstrates how the kingdom of God breaks in and breaks forth into this world. We need to pay attention to Jesus. And very early on in the piece... Jesus, and you know Jesus, Jesus walks into a synagogue on Sabbath. Now you know Jesus. What'd you do that for, Jesus? Oh, you're probably about to go mess them up. You're probably going to go mess with some identity markers. Before we step into this situation, we need to step back a little bit to understand what's happening in the synagogue. Synagogue, Sabbaths happen very regularly, like Sundays, every week. Every week, comes around really fast. What happens in the synagogue on Sabbaths is that people gather around Torah. In fact, what people do, that they will come and they will position themselves under the authority of Torah. And this is really important for us to know that in this setting, in this situation, there is already an established authority in place. That's important for us to know. They came and they sat under the authority of Torah. There are established authorities everywhere. Some of them you can see. Most of them you can't. Isn't that right? There's established authorities everywhere. Established authorities in, in businesses and regions and families and churches and schools. There are established authorities everywhere. We... Um, we, we um, have three really difficult primary schools in the city of Armadale. Really, really, really hard. And um, what we have um, committed to for like a three-year period is that we are financing um, a mentoring program called Tour Buckets into there, and um, into one of these primary schools, one of the top three worst ones. Now, I know the atmosphere when I walk into that primary school. It's pretty dark. Pretty dark. You can feel it. Have you walked into a place and you can feel it? You can just feel it, right? Just feel it. Now, our children go to a public primary school in Thornley. It's a really good one. 
I can't tell you the contrast between like, this primary school and, and the one our kids go to. It is like day and night. There are established authorities everywhere. Established authorities everywhere. One of my good friends, he is a youth care area chaplain. He's now the area chaplain of this region, actually. But previously, he was in the western suburbs. He comes and, and he sits and, and we go out and we sit in Joel Street and Armadale. And there are so many times where he has come from the western suburbs to Armadale and he sits down and he just looks at me and says, Dave, I'm not in Kansas anymore, am I? Because he picks up, there is a different spiritual atmosphere in play. There are established authorities everywhere. Some of them you can see, most of them you can't. Most of them you can't. Authority is a very, very important issue for Jesus. Extremely important. And if it is an important issue for Jesus, guess what? It is an important issue for us. And in a culture that is hell-bent on deconstructing everything and reconstructing a defiant self-autonomy, it's really important to know that God does not operate in the manner that a progressive Western culture insists. You know this in university. Anyone go to university? You go to university and you will be taught to deconstruct everything. And after you deconstruct everything, let's now reconstruct that in a way that you are now the most important person and you are the highest level of authority in your own life. And that's all well and good, except for the fact that God does not roll like that. That is really important for us to know. Because we slip into these things all the time. The issue of authority and Jesus go hand in glove hand and glove. Notice even in here, the, the issue of authority coming up again and again and again. Verse 22 says, the people were amazed at his teaching for he thought with real authority. Verse 27, amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly, it has such authority. And understand, we're reading this, this story from this side of the cross, but try to imagine what it was like for those people who walked in that day. You know, they come on the Sabbath. You know, that's a really significant time. They come to a synagogue. It's a really significant place. They come, they purpose in themselves to sit under the authority of Torah, which was given to them by God, via Moses, a really significant person. And they acknowledge on this one given Sabbath, this ordinary Sabbath day, things start to get uncomfortable and they understand, they acknowledge that while they are sitting under an authority, a higher authority has just stepped into the room and things start to move. Wow. It's an exciting, exciting story. And, and, and things start to get uncomfortable. But get this, they don't get uncomfortable for Jesus. Doesn't get uncomfortable for the disciples. Doesn't even get uncomfortable for those who are watching all this happen the people because scripture says they got excited but it does get uncomfortable this is what happens verse 23 suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting why are you interfering with us jesus of nazareth have you come to destroy us i know who you are the holy one sent from god so picture the story okay there is a man who is part of this community who comes to the synagogue regularly. He sits under the authority of Torah regularly. He comes, he goes, he eats, he sleeps, and no one knows anything different. But whilst coming to this place and sitting under this authority, he is being terrorized, tormented, and dehumanized by these evil spirits for who knows how long. 
long enough that the evil spirits had become very, very comfortable. And he established authorities accommodating this. That's the point. They haven't been agitated up until this point. But as soon as Jesus steps into the room, the kingdom of God starts to break in and break through. Verse 24, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Other renderings say, what business do you have, Jesus? What do you want with us? This, this, this rendering really gets my goat a little bit because it uses the idiom that the Spirit's actually saying. It says, why are you bothering us? How comfortable have they actually gotten? Why are you bothering us? What business is this of yours, Jesus? Well, let me tell you why Jesus is interested. Because if there is a man who is part of the community who is being tormented and terrorized and dehumanized, that is the business of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus, you notice, he doesn't step aside. He doesn't even wait a day. He's not supposed to do anything on Sabbath. He doesn't even wait a day. As soon as this man presents, Jesus steps in. And guess what? If Jesus steps in, the church steps in. Are you picking something up today? We step in. Jesus, he comes to his disciples. As the Father sends me, I'm sending you. Blows the Holy Spirit on them and sends them. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Wow. And by Jesus' very presence, by his presence, he's not doing anything except standing there. By his very presence, the comfort of these established authorities become disturbed. By his very presence, just standing. Just stepping into the room. And the kingdom of God starts to break in and break through. Not because of what he did. Jesus ain't going like speaking in tongues, going underlie, shundalie, someone go get my Hyundai. He's not trying to force us. Mm. He's just standing there. And the kingdom of God is breaking in by his presence, where he is. Not what he's doing. He's close enough. Proximity. Mentioned earlier how David is a shadow of Christ. There's this interesting verse that I find very, very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. 1 Samuel 17 verse 16 says this, For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champions strutted in front of the Israelite army. I don't know about you, but the thought of a Goliath strutting in front of God's people that starts to annoy me. There are established authorities everywhere. There are Goliaths. I guarantee you, you know this region better than what I do. You know the schools, you know the coffee shops, you know everything. And I guarantee you, there are Goliaths that are strutting their stuff everywhere in this region. Why else would you be placed here? You're the church. Why else? People who are made in the image of God are being tormented, traumatized, and dehumanized, and nothing changes. 
Education's not going to change it. Politics aren't going to change it. We know this. This secular promise that we've been given, there's going to be this utopia that this is falling apart before our very eyes. Christians aren't just commentating on this. Secular commentators are now commentating on this. This system that we're in is falling apart and these people are not going to change. They're not going to be released. They're not going to be made into the image of God unless the kingdom of God breaks in. It is only the kingdom of God that will do it. Nothing else is going to do it. Nothing else. Everyone's gone very quiet now. It's okay. I get to go back to Newspring. It's fine with me. Nothing breaks in and the kingdom of God does not break through unless someone goes, church. Beautiful, beautiful Kalamunda. Unless someone goes. The Gospels repeatedly show us this. The New Testament is the documentation of this. This is how God has chosen to work in history through His church stepping in. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 19. I bet you we all know this one. Problem is we know it too well. Jesus came and told His disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that He has been given all authority. Okay? Now, let's play this out logically. If Jesus has all authority, that must mean that someone has none. And this fool, this big Goliath fool, strutting his stuff out there, strutting as if he has some authority, and he's actually got none. I love praying with Christians because when I pray with you, I know where you're at. Just like when you're on stage, I know where you're at. I know where she's at. She attracts heaven. It's undeniable. It's undeniable. I know where Jaden's at. I've seen him. He's called an ordered minister. I know it. I know Tim. You're in the same boat as Jaden. Fantastic. I know it. I know I'm an older guy now, but I can spot it. Yeah. I love praying with young ones, but I notice there is actually a shift in their prayer. When Christians are young, they pray, heaven come, God come, God come. But there is a shift when a penny drops. And you can just see the realization in their heart, in their mind. It's like, wait a minute, if Jesus has all authority and he's told me to go, that must mean that I am a broker in the authority of Jesus. That changes everything. David said, God did it. He burst through. God said, yeah, hold up. I did it. Only because David went. And every single day, we get the choice to make. Will I put my trust in a world that is passing away or a kingdom that is coming to pass? Every day, we are given an invitation by our beautiful God to push out into our world what God began on Resurrection Sunday. New creation bursts into this world through the literal, physical, historical resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That happened. The kingdom of God is inaugurated. We get it hasn't come fully. We get that. The first advent, God came very small, baby in a manger. Second time, not so small. Amen? Not so small. Not so small. But in the meantime, God looks to his church, his sons and daughters, and he has this big, huge smile on his face, and he says to his church, do you want to have some fun? Let's push new creation out into this world. Let's heal the sick. 
Let's restore communities. Let's terrorize those small demonic authorities that have become a little bit too comfortable. Broken my authority in this world. What's the picture you have of Jesus? Is he a baby in the manger? You know what? That's pretty cute. But that day has come and that day is gone. Jesus is risen. He's resurrected. He's glorified. He's seated right at the right hand of the Father, isn't he? In the book of Revelation, he talks to his churches and he says, I am Jesus. I am the one who holds the armies of the angels in my right hand like peppercorns. And we're out there and we get intimidated by this and we get intimidated by that. And there's a Goliath over there and there's a Goliath over there and there's a Goliath over there. And Jesus is looking at us and he says, what are you intimidated with? I hold all of the armies of the angels in my right hand like peppercorns. That is our Jesus. Come on. That is our Lord. He's a high priest in the order of Melchizedek, isn't he? Anyone read the book of of Hebrews? That's important to know. It's one thing to have Jesus as a high priest. That's nice, isn't it? He mediates between me and God. And, and you know what? He, he lived, but he didn't sin, so he understands what I'm going through. That's all really good, except for the thing that he's not just a high priest. He's a high priest in the order of Melchizedek, which means he's a king priest. King priest. That means not only can he understand what we're going through not only does he mediate not only does he offer that one and only sacrifice that puts me right with God he not only all of that kind of stuff but he's also king which means he's got all authority he has power to do something theology is so important if I never see you for another 20 years remember that do we honestly think that the gospel has no power The gospel has all the power we need. But the gospel places a demand on you and on me that we go. So what's your testimony going to be? The worship team can come up because, as usual, I've spoken too long. I can keep going, but I'll stop. What will your testimony be? My God, he broke through. He broke through. We saw it. We saw it. We saw marriages mended and made strong. We saw families and places created so that they can flourish. We've seen wombs that we thought were dead opened up. You know, this year, we've had this couple in our connect group for three years, and they've been unable to have children. And they completely gave up hope. We keep on praying, gave up hope. But this year, that womb was open, and a miracle baby came into this world. We've seen it. I've seen it. I see some amazing stuff all the time. We've seen diseases falling off people. We've seen the vulnerable looked after. It's as as if this place looks like, it feels like as if Jesus actually is king. My God, he broke through. And if you come to that place, Columbia Church of Christ, will you see that? Will you feel that? Will you experience that? And the testimony from your mouth Honestly, is God, you broke through. Incline your ear because you will hear the voice of our beautiful, gracious, loving, heavenly Father who responds to our cry. It's only because you are Father, we do come before you in Jesus' name. I thank you for your kingdom.
every single heart. In light of what we now know of your reign, of the kingdom of God, I ask that all of us, myself included, we would have the courage to rethink our timeline, to repent, to see your kingdom breaking in and breaking out. Father, thank you for every household here every marriage I pray that be strong in Jesus name I pray for the generations Lord that, that in this church the generations would flow, flow into each other there would not be a separation or a segregation but the wisdom from the older generation would flow down to the younger generations Father I pray that there would not be exclusion of anyone for the way forward, Lord, I pray that ears will be open, the hearts will be undone, that the calluses on our heart, you will come and remove them, and we would honor you with our lives, and we would honor you in this church. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I have run way over time, and I apologize for that in my own church. They don't care, but they probably do. Um, I need to pass over to some of this. If that's the right time, it's like, man, I'm really terrible. Anyway, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Okay, how about we, uh, let's just stand for a moment. Just stand with me. Because we're going to sing a hallelujah, which is a song that I actually asked for this morning. Because um, I think we need to shout a hallelujah. Because a hallelujah basically declares his kingdom over all things. Um, and, uh, and I think the song just wraps it all up, hey? So just close your eyes. Father God, we want to take the word right now that has been spoken. And God, we want to take it into our hearts. And we want to say, God, your kingdom, authority be established in us that wherever we go, your kingdom, authority will break through. Will break through. We claim your kingdom, authority over our lives, over this church and over this community. And we want to shout hallelujah to you. We're going to sing a hallelujah.
with everything inside of me.
Wow, what a great morning. Awesome. Hi to Dave. Great. Thank you very much. Great service. Great morning. Now, we're going to roll into our AGM. So 